Let's open our Bibles to Isaiah 37. Isaiah 37. You know the story well. We have 38 verses here, two, almost two-thirds of the total number of 60 verses. And so we're going to go through it quickly. Isaiah 37 is going to be Hezekiah and God's answer to Sennacherib and Rabshakeh. Verse 1, Hezekiah's response. Remember, chapter 36 ended with these words. Verse 22 of chapter 36. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, that was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. So, Hezekiah is about to get the verbal report of what Rabshakeh said to these three messengers that he sent out, and then Sennacherib will write a letter that Hezekiah will hear as well. So the first verse tells us the response of Hezekiah, and it should be the response we have when we hear terrible news. When we hear bad news, this is how we should respond. It came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it, what Rabshakeh had said to him directly and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem through the three messengers, that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. We go worship. And we go worship humbly and uncomfortably to show that we are serious and fervent in our appeal to God. This is a magnificent one-verse explanation of what to do when you get bad news in your life. You go worship, and you beg God for help, and you, you get rid of the comfortable things of life in order to be in sackcloth and to show your humility before the Lord. Hezekiah was a king. He wore nice clothes all the time because he was king, but not when he's going to go before the Lord. You know, there are times when we want to add sackcloth or things like that or fasting to our praying like Jesus told the father of the lunatic in Matthew chapter 17 in a King James Bible you have this verse the other versions don't have this verse but Matthew 17 21 says this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting right. so Hezekiah is facing a very serious military issue of Sennacherib and Rabshakeh blaspheming God and saying, nothing is going to save you in this city. You'll be eating your own dung and drinking your own piss shortly. And the answer for the, the response for Hezekiah is to go into the house of the Lord. And we don't have a, a house of the Lord in the same way that they did. But you should have a prayer closet or a prayer chair or a prayer place where you go and are alone with the Lord and worship Him and beg for His help. Verses 2 through 5. He solicits Isaiah to pray for him. And he, in verse 2, that is Hezekiah, sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, unto Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and of rebuke, and of blasphemy. And the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God, 
will hear the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, hath sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and that is their message. Pray for us. Pray for us. We're hoping that the Lord saw and heard what Rabshakeh said about him. But we want you to pray for us. It's a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy. I'm going to besiege this city. and you're going to, I'm going to reduce you to starvation. No one has ever been able to resist me. I have leveled all other cities and I'm going to level this one. Women that have been in childbearing may know and should know the transitional page of childbirth, transitional stage of childbirth when they don't think they can finish it. Midwives acquire many interesting stories that back up what is described right here. The children are come to the birth and there is not strength to bring forth. Labor has started. You've progressed through it until you hit the transitional stage. And as you can read about it, I can't do it. Give me my bathrobe and my slippers because I'm going home. I'll try it again tomorrow. I've heard all kinds of stories. And a woman should be able to relate to this passage of the overwhelming, intimidating prospect. I just can't do it. If, if there's six hours of pushing coming after this, or there's six hours more of this, I'm going to fry. I can't do it. That's, that's, that's how you get plain with the Lord. This is a prayer. I mean, this is telling Isaiah how to pray in the trouble they're in from Hezekiah through his three messengers. The terminology here is of a woman knowing she is in labor, but without strength to finish it. The anxiety and pain of childbirth is often used for fear in the Bible, but here it is for trouble. It may be that, thy, the, God, that God, the Lord thy God will hear the words of Rabshakeh. Now Hezekiah and these three men speak to Isaiah very respectfully of his office in the fourth verse. It may be the Lord thy God. Now, the Lord was Hezekiah's God, and the Lord was Eliakim's God, but they say, it may be that the Lord Isaiah's God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, because there are 35 chapters of prophecies by Isaiah the prophet, and he had had a vision of God and written it down, and they're hoping that this close relationship that Isaiah had with God would benefit them. This is taught in the Bible by the five great men that the Bible talks about when it speaks of them. Jeremiah 15 and verse 1 has one of those lists. Then said the Lord unto me, though Moses and Samuel stood before me. Moses was an intercessor. Moses could pray for the whole nation and save the whole nation when God was angry with the whole nation. When you take anger and multiply it by three million, in algebra, that's anger three million. That's a lot of anger. But Moses could, de could defer it all. And so could Samuel. Samuel could kill a sucking lamb. And it was called Ebenezer. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us, 
and the Lord delivered them from their Philistine enemies. The other one is in Ezekiel 14, 14, and it gives us three more names to add to the list. And I want to encourage every man to be the intercessor of his household. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job. So we have Moses, we have Samuel, Noah, Daniel, Job. Noah preserved his whole household in the ark. The Bible doesn't say one good thing about Mrs. Noah or his three sons or their three wives. It says by faith Noah saved his household. And so there he was an intercessor. Daniel was an intercessor for the whole nation because in Daniel chapter 9, by reading Jeremiah 25, he knew that the 70 years captivity was almost over. He confessed the sins of the whole nation and said, Lord, deliver us. He was an intercessor. And then Job. Job, every time his children had a birthday, would rise up early in the morning and offer sacrifices for every one of his children in case, perhaps, they had cursed God in their heart in the levity of a party. These are five great examples, and I'm chasing a little rabbit right now, and it's costing me a few minutes, but I want the men of our church to be intercessor prayers for their families. I have one as a father. He doesn't know that I was called in the last couple of weeks to ask my father to pray over a dying young man. He knows now. And so Hezekiah sends three messengers, tell Isaiah, and beg him to pray for us. We've reached a place that I don't know how to progress. The children have come to the birth, but they don't have strength. I don't know how we're going to oppose Sennacherib and Rabshakeh. Let Isaiah beg for us. Verses 6 and 7, God's first answer to comfort him. And Isaiah said unto them, they get an answer, the three messengers from Hezekiah to Isaiah get an answer from Isaiah. Thus shall ye say unto your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words that thou hast heard, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Do not be afraid. Thank you. Everyone should remember, do not be afraid. There is no reason to be afraid. There's a God in charge of all the events that cause us fear. And He can and will take care of us. And look at this answer in verse 7. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Now that is a thorough, wonderful four-part answer given to us in Isaiah 37 and verse 7. These things don't have to be in order, and they're not, because it's to teach us how to study the Word of God. They don't have to be in order. They're not in order. Which comes first, the rumor or the blast? The rumor came first. First, there was the rumor that Terhaka was coming, so he lifted the siege of Jerusalem. Rabshakeh had brought a great army against the city of Jerusalem, but he hears 
that Sennacherib has left the siege of Lachish, gone to a siege of Libna, and Terhaka is on the way with Egyptians and Ethiopians to meet them. So it lifts the siege immediately by a rumor. We're going to see it. Second, after he destroyed the Egyptians and Ethiopians by the Assyrians, God blasted Sennacherib and killed 185,000. Third, Sennacherib returned to his own land with shame of face, which was Assyria's capital city of Nineveh. That's where he went. Fourth, he was assassinated in his own land, for there was no safety from the Lord. You can't run and hide from the Almighty God that is our Father in heaven. Sennacherib, it's 700 miles from Jerusalem to Nineveh. Sennacherib went 700 miles, but God found him out there, found him out in the house of his God, found him out in his great capital city, a huge city. Go read Jonah about the size of the city of Nineveh on the Tigris River. And he's in his temple, and his own sons kill him. That is my God spectacularly finishing off Sennacherib for his blasphemy. But notice the quick answer from the Lord. You say, oh, I wish I had quick answers like this from the Lord. You have a whole book of them. Right. Amen. A whole book of them. Amen. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Isn't that as good as verse 7? Amen. Well, not quite. Why not? It should be. It should be. Verses 8 and 9. Rabshakeh forced to leave Jerusalem. So Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he had heard that he was departed from Lachish. See the rumor? The rumor's first. The blast is second, but it's not ordered that way in verse 7. And get used to that in the Bible. When the order doesn't matter, it can be put together like this. When the order matters, it will be in order. I love these little examples in the Bible. Because it helps me understand to have an open mind when I'm interpreting Scripture where the order doesn't matter. If you're, if you're all confused right now and scared, then you need to type into a search of our website, two or three. And you'll find a multi-page document there about two or three eunuchs looked out. Was it two or was it three or doesn't it matter? Learn. Learn with me. The rumors, the, the rumors immediately in context. So Rabshakeh returned. That means he left Jerusalem and went back to Sennacherib and found Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, warring against Libna. This is about 20 miles south of Jerusalem, for he had heard that he was departed from Lachish. That's the rumor. And he heard say concerning Terhaka, king of Ethiopia, he has come forth to make war with thee. So the two of these are combining their forces again. I just gave you an example. What if Sennacherib brought 200,000 into Judea and 100,000 were at Lachish and it says a great army. Rabshakeh brought a great army to the gates of Jerusalem and let's say it was 100,000. Now they need those 200,000 back together again to take on some huge host of Egyptians and Ethiopians that are coming to fulfill that part of all these prophecies that we've learned. And when he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, when Sennacherib realized, okay, I can spare 100,000 if I'm just besieging Libna or Lachish, these little towns of Judah. But if I've got to face the army of the Ethiopians and the Egyptians, I need my forces rejoined. Hezekiah is going to think that I've left out of fear or something. So in order to alleviate that issue, I'll write him a little note. 
Oh, we love the note. We love the note. And so here we go in verses 10 through 13. Rabshakeh sent a blasphemous letter. It's actually Sennacherib. If you read far enough in the chapter, you know that it's from Sennacherib. Thus shall ye speak to Hezekiah king of Judah, in verse 10, saying, Let not thy God, in whom thou trustest, deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly. And shalt thou be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed, as Gozan and Haran and Rezeph and the children of Eden, which were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath? and the king of Arphad, and the king of the city of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Iva. Where are they? And so there's the letter. Have the gods of the nations, verse 12, have the gods of the nations delivered them. Don't you listen to Hezekiah. He is unable to protect you. Your God is unable to protect you. No God can withstand me. And he put it in writing. If you're going to say, even God couldn't sink the Titanic, don't put it in writing. Try not to say it, but don't put it in writing, because they're going to be famous last words. Because the Lord's going to bring judgment to pass on a blasphemer like this. Lifting the siege must have pained Sennacherib and Rabshakeh, so they wrote this letter. They seem to know quite well the faith of Hezekiah, don't they? I wonder if Shebna told them. See, we're not told the details of Shebna's deceitfulness and why God judged him and his whole family so severely. I hope you can recall when we got to the last 11 verses of Isaiah 22, we had an issue there that God was seriously after that man for some compromise of office and being a Jew and a prince under Hezekiah. Let others mock us for our faith in God and his word. They will do so more and more as this world and this nation degenerates. Most Christians today know little more about the Bible than King Sennacherib knew of the Bible. And it cost him and it, cost, and it will cost them. Let's go to verses 14 through 20. It's Hezekiah's response to the letter. Verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up unto the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. We are learning what a great man that trusts God does. He doesn't wring his hands. He doesn't call his family together. He doesn't call his cabinet together. He goes to the house of the Lord. He's gone there with sackcloth. And then he has sent for Isaiah to pray. And now he goes up and spreads this letter unto the Lord in the house of the Lord. And now Hezekiah is going to pray himself. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. It is not elementary or foolish or a waste of words for you to bring up creation again 
and again and again. Because if you are crying and praying to the God of creation, and he could create this universe, he can easily take care of your little soap bubble problem. And so it's a common way of praying. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent to reproach the living God. It is not wrong for you to ask the Lord to listen to you, to ask the Lord to see you, for him to bow down his ear. That's how David prayed. And that's what we're getting right here. Incline thine ear. Bow down from heaven. You're lofty and you're far away in heaven. But bow down, incline thine ear, show an interest in this case. And I hope that you have heard and I hope that you have seen what Sennacherib has said against you. Verse 18, of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their countries. Admit the truth. The obstacle facing Hezekiah is terrible. You've got a breech baby, woman. That's more difficult. You know, the arms just might get caught. So call on the Lord. Make everything about, take it to the Lord. He's able, how many? We wish we knew. How many babies the Lord is able to turn in the womb even when they're, even when they're engaged. The Lord is mighty and can do great things. And it's appropriate to ask him to listen, to hear, to look, to see. And then to admit the truth. Lord, when I look at it, look at this mathematically. When I look at this from a military standpoint, we don't have a chance. They've defeated every other enemy. Our city is small. It, we only have a few people in it. We don't have any horses. We don't have any chariots. We can't have a cavalry come f- from somewhere else. We're in trouble. Verse 19, and these Assyrians have cast their gods into the fire. They have destroyed every other deity that they have met in all these other cities, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. The way way that Rabshakeh speaks about no god being able to resist him or his fathers is because the gods they're talking about are just little idols made with men's hands, can be burned up in the fire. They're made of wood or stone. They are nothing like you. Have you heard that Rabshakeh is putting you in the same category with them? Have you heard that? Now therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. Amen. Amen. If you want to get God's attention, then take your need and turn it toward him getting glory as wide as you can make it. A few minutes ago, we prayed that we might see God's mighty hand visible in our congregation so that we can tell our children and our children's children about it. We want God to be glorified in our church. And you can tell him that in prayer. This is a fabulous conclusion to Hezekiah's prayer. Now, therefore... Because of what I've explained to you, O Lord, and you dwell us between the cherubims, and you've created the heaven and the earth, and this Sennacherib and Rabshakeh have reproached thee, and they think that you are nothing but a handmade God, 
and no stronger than those man-made gods. Now therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. No other city was preserved. No other king was preserved, Lord. No other god has saved their city from Sennacherib of the Assyrians. If you do it, do you know what kind of a name you'll get in the earth? For this little tiny city of Jerusalem withstanding the mighty king of Assyria. Oh, that's the way to pray. Amen. It's a web document. It's a document on our website called Effectual Prayer. It's pages 6 and 7. <coughs> if you want to hear about reasoning with the Lord in prayer like this 20th verse. This brings us to God's answer of furious judgment. Beginning at verse 21 and running down to verse 29. Verse 21. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, wait a minute. I thought that Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. How's Isaiah answering him? I think they had a pretty close connection. For instance, Hezekiah, put your house in order. You're about to die. Lord, have mercy upon me. Isaiah is just out a few, a few steps away. Turn, turn around and go back in. Amen. Tell him I'll give him 15 more years. Now, if you can find a man like that, that's the man you want praying for you. But I don't want you thinking about it that way. I want every man thinking, can I be righteous and have a close relationship with God and be fervent and effectual in my praying so that I can be the intercessor for my family? Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent unto Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, in answer to your prayer, Hezekiah, here's what God has to say. Whereas thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib king of Assyria, this is the word which the Lord hath spoken concerning him. And I love this. And I hope you love it. Amen. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, hath despised thee, and laugh thee to scorn. Amen. The daughter of Jerusalem hath shaken her head at thee. Right. You big stud muffin, you think you can come into Judah and try to seduce my daughter? You can come into Judah and try to ridicule her and pressure her by peer pressure and force her and deflower her? You think you can do that? Here's my answer. My little girl has laughed at you, scumbag. That is what it is saying. This is about deflowering a virgin. And every effort that we read about in chapter 36 and some here in 37. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, hath despised thee, buddy. Maybe everyone else fell to you. Maybe all the other cities opened their gates. Maybe you were able to take them and their gods down. But the virgin, the daughter of Zion, my city of Jerusalem, my king Hezekiah, my people, the apple of mine eye hath despised thee and laughed thee to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem hath shaken her head at thee. She's tossed her head and thinks it's a ridiculous idea that she would waste a minute with you. Oh, it's just sweet and powerful. This is how God talks. 
This is what Hezekiah gets back as an answer. Verse 23. Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? And against whom hast thou exalted thy voice and lifted up thine eyes on high, even against the Holy One of Israel? By thy servants hast thou reproached the Lord and hast said, By the multitude of my chariots am I come up to the height of the mountains, to the sides of Lebanon, and I will cut down the tall cedars thereof and the choice fir trees thereof, and I will enter into the height of his border and the forest of his carmel. I have digged and drunk water, and with the sole of my feet have I dried up all the rivers of the besieged places. This is God now mocking Sennacherib's thoughts about his military prowess in verses 24 and 25. But these are, this is an answer to Hezekiah. Whether Hezekiah wrote this down, this is just, just your pastor speculating a little bit. I'll tell you when I speculate. This is an answer to Hezekiah in Jerusalem. Okay? But it's, it's spoken to Sennacherib so that Hezekiah would get the full benefit of it. Whether Hezekiah penned it and sent it by Pony Express, we don't know. But I sure do enjoy the thought that Sennacherib had to read this. Hezekiah read his. After all, it's all fair. I read yours, you read mine. The virgin daughter of Zion hath laughed thee to scorn, buddy. It's just, it's just beautiful. We have already learned in our study of Isaiah that some of these phrases and words in verse 24 about trees and mountains are referring to a nation and its mighty men. I'm going to cut, I cut them down, I remove them, and I don't have a bit of trouble with them. I will cut down the tall cedars thereof. That's not literal, that is metaphorical, and we've run into it before as cutting down the princes of a nation. Verse 25 is the Army Corps of Engineers of Sennacherib's army, I have digged and drunk water. I do, not, I do not care what you have done, Hezekiah, by rerouting your water. I will get water. I've never had a problem with it. And the water you think that you're going to have, I have never had a problem stopping it up to dry out a city. So it's, it's his appeal to his Army Corps of Engineers in verse 25. Now God explains... What is going on? Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it? Sennacherib, you think you've digged and drunk water? You think you've dried up cities? You think you can cut down tall cedars of mighty nations? Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it? And of ancient times that I have formed it. Now have I brought it to pass that thou shouldest be to lay waste defense cities into ruinous heaps. This is my work. I raised you up. I did it. I planned it. I have had it planned for a long time. Therefore, as a result of my efforts, their inhabitants were of small power. They were dismayed and confounded. They were as the grass of the field and as the green herb, as the grass on the housetops and as corn blasted before it be grown up. Their weakness, their fearfulness, their intimidation, their unwillingness to engage you in open battle, all those things I arranged, I planned it, I did it, I intended for this outcome in the whole area around Judah. But I know thy abode and thy going out and thy coming in and thy rage against me. You think you're in charge. 
You are nothing but an axe in my hand. And you've got to remember chapter 10 as we read through this. You are nothing but a saw in my hand. And I'm the one moving you. You're nothing without me. Because thy rage against me and thy tumult has come up into mine ears. Remember Isaiah saying, Lord, have you heard? Because thy rage against me and thy tumult is come up into mine ears, therefore will I put my hook in thy nose and my bridle in thy lips, and I will turn thee back by the way by which thou camest. Amen. Imagine a ring in a bull's nose. Imagine a bridle against a horse's lips, and how with a little bit of a pull it hurts in either case. And this shall be a sign unto thee. At verse 30, we have a transition. We have just read what God said to Hezekiah about Sennacherib. And he mocked him, and he created his words for him, and then mocked them, and then said, this is all my work. Sennacherib is nothing but a tool in my hand to accomplish things in Judah. Now the language switches to Hezekiah. And it brings us to the next section of chapter 37. God's answer of loving restoration. It was God's answer of furious vengeance against Sennacherib, and now it is loving restoration. Imagine, we've already read it, imagine an occupying army that has desolated the countryside. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? If they, didn't, you, if they didn't run your wells dry, they poisoned your wells, salted your wells, or ruined your wells. What's going to happen? And so the Lord has a word for Hezekiah and for the Jews that Sennacherib leaving is not a short-term event. He's going home, and he won't be back anytime soon, and you're going to be able to plant your own fields and eat them, but not for a couple of years, because I don't want you to work that hard. I'd like you to just get home and clean the homestead up a little bit, and I'll cause things to grow themselves. There are two issues here, and we are not told which one. They could be combined to make it terrible. And one is that there is a seventh year of release, and then the 50th year of Jubilee, so that there are two years where they were not supposed to plant and harvest. Or there is nothing to plant, because a standing army eats a lot of food. And they have brought the army right up to the city of Jerusalem and they are besieging cities in the area. And so here we go. God's answer of loving restoration to the city of Jerusalem and to Judah. This shall be a sign unto thee. And see, he's no longer talking to Sennacherib, and Hezekiah gets to hear it. He's talking to Hezekiah himself. Hezekiah, here's a sign. Go ahead and tell your people. Your people are terrified. Even if Sennacherib withdraws his army and goes back to Nineveh, what are we going to eat? Are we going to have to scrounge for acorns like nut, like squirrels? What are we going to do? This shall be a sign unto thee. Ye shall eat this year such as groweth of itself. I'll cause the plants that you've planted in times past just to go ahead and grow. I'll cause things to grow out there that you'll have plenty to eat without doing any agricultural business. Ye shall eat this year such as groweth of itself, and the second year that which springeth of the same. I'll just keep it reproducing in the field, and in the third year 
Sow ye and reap and plant vineyards and eat the fruit thereof. You can get back to work in the third year. This could be a seventh year of release and a year of jubilee, or the army had so desolated it that they wouldn't have anything to get agriculture rolling. But by the third year they would, they would be able to plant their vineyards and, and eat the fruit thereof. Verse 31, and the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah, because they'd all collapsed to the little city of Jerusalem, the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah and all those fenced cities that were taken and the countryside shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. And this is using an agricultural metaphor for men. The nation's going to grow again. They're going to reach down and get established, and the families are going to start to multiply again. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. That first half of verse 32 is, you won't be locked up in the city of Jerusalem. You'll be able to go back home, go back to the homestead, go back to the farm, and repopulate Judah. How's this all going to happen? Lord, how can I? It's my sign to you, Hezekiah. It's my sign. Just watch how things grow of themselves for two years. In the third year, you can get busy yourself. But Lord, you're talking about sending Sennacherib home, blasting him, having his siege withdrawn by a rumor, killing him in his own temple. What are we going to eat? It'll take care of itself. In the third year, you can worry about it. How are you going to do it? The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. Amen. I, the Lord of hosts' zeal. The general of heaven's armies. His zeal. God has zeal. When God sets his mind to do something, he's going to do it. When God has an enemy that's picking on his people, he brings vengeance. When a people are starving and they need food and they've repented and they're trusting God like Hezekiah trusted, I'll take care of you year one. I'll take care of you year two. Don't worry about it. In the third year, you can get busy, busy planning. There is so much comfort in that. The Lord is going to provide our daily bread without planting, harvesting, or processing flour. The Lord's going to take care of us. And if he said that in the third year, we should plant vineyards, I know they grow really fast. Wrong. Vineyards don't grow fast. He is telling Hezekiah and the Jews, Sennacherib's not coming back. <laughs> Sennacherib's not coming back. Wow. By the way that he came, verse 34, But the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city and save it for mine own sake, and for my servant David's sake. I'm going to save Jerusalem with my, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, because this man has reproached me, and because through this city is coming my Messiah. This is the anointing. This is why Jerusalem had to be saved. And Hezekiah's family had to be saved because through Hezekiah's family would come Jesus Christ our Lord. David was long dead. So what sense does it mean, David? The sure, the sure mercies of David. From Isaiah 55. Verse 36. It ends so well. Yes, angels are not these little babies with little wing buds, tooting little horns that you see floating around. They are mighty beings of power. And so it tells us in verse 36, Then the angel 
of the Lord. That is a singular angel. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Amen. What a, blow, what a blast, as it was described in 37.7. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed, just like the prophecy was, and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, 700 miles away, the city that Jonah visited and told us that there were 120,000 in the city of only a few years of age. It was a huge city. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adremelech and Sherezer, his sons, smote him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Armenia, and Esarhad and his son reigned in his stead. And if you do any historical research on the Assyrian Empire, Esarhaddon did follow Sennacherib, Sennacherib did follow Sargon, Sargon did follow Shalmaneser, which followed Tiglath-Pileser, just as we have it explained to us in the book of Isaiah the prophet. God's angel destroyed the Assyrians, and he destroyed their mighty princes and the leaders of that army, and God killed Sennacherib spectacularly for reproaching him and saying that all gods were equal. He chased him down 700 miles until he was in his temple with his God and his own children killed him. What a story. Amen. Isaiah 36 and 37. We want to be like Hezekiah. We want to trust in the Lord. We want to be like Isaiah who had God's ear. And we want to be intercessor prayers for our families and for our church. And we men, we have to live righteously. We have to be fervent and effectual in our praying. You need to learn the reasoning with God in prayer that's contained in these two chapters and elsewhere. Let us always put our trust in the Lord. Let us realize that troubles are going to come. God's going to bring a Sennacherib into our lives. But we do not have to fear. There's a God still in charge. If we'll repent, if we'll examine ourselves, if we'll clean up whatever we need to clean up, He will be merciful. He never, he never expects perfect faith. We can have weak faith, but as long as we have faith and put our trust in Him and repent, when we're shown something that is wrong in our lives, He will deliver us. And He is able to provide deliverance, and He's able to provide sustenance, though you don't even have the means, for two years on its own. It'll take care of itself. Then the third year, go ahead and do what you like doing, planting vineyards and fields and so forth. What a chapter. What two chapters. This was one terrible event in the 39th year of Hezekiah. The next chapter will be another terrible event in the 39th year of Hezekiah when he has a terminal illness, and the Lord delivers him from that. But as we're going to learn, let's make sure we give God the glory for everything. Right. Let's give God all the glory for our master's degree and every other degree that we have in this church everything that we're able to have or are let's give God all the glory for it because Hezekiah had a mistake a fault he was to be blamed in the end of his life by taking too much pride in the riches that God gave him God exalted Hezekiah because of the mighty things done in his Judah Sennacherib defeated recovered from a terminal illness and the sun moving back 10 degrees. All nations brought tribute to Hezekiah until he was very rich, and it went to his head. 
And the Lord left him. This is what the Bible says. The Lord left him to see what was in his heart. And he invited the ambassadors from Babylon in to see how rich he was. And the Lord told him, those men will be back to take all those riches to Babylon. You shouldn't have done that. But he repented. And he lived out his days with God's blessing upon him. Let's not even have the blip. Let's just give God all the glory for anything we are or have. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.